Um, <laughs> just, just before I get started today, there's just a verse I, I want to share with us all. Um, something, and it's just an awesome verse just to take with you for the rest of your life. Um, and it's in Psalms 1. And something I didn't always know was possible is that no matter what season we're in, we can actually always produce fruit. No matter whether it's a, a hard situation or an easy situation, we can produce fruit. And, and I was like, how is that possible? How is it possible to always produce fruit uh, no matter what the season is? And, and David tells us that secret. So if you um, wonder if you've got your Bible or smartphone or smart app or something, just turn to Psalms uh, chapter 2, no, Psalms chapter 1, verse 2. And it, and it says, Blessed is the man whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither, whatever he does prospers. Now that word uh, law there, it's talking about instruction or word. Um, so he's saying, blessed is the man who delights in the instruction in the word of the law. Who meditates, so just thinks about it all the time. He will always produce fruit. And, and so this, this word in here just says, which yields fruit in season and whose leaves don't wither. But there's another great verse on this very same passage in Jeremiah. So if you've got your Bibles, it's in Jeremiah 17, verse 7 to 8. So flick over to that. And this gives a bigger illustration of that same verse. So 17, Jeremiah 17, verse 7 says, Blessed is the man whose trust is in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. He will be like a tree planted by the water, that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in the year of drought and that never fails to bear fruit. I just think that's just such a cool thing. It has nothing to do with the talk, but I just, I just love pondering some of these verses which are just so fruitful for our lives. So... I, I want to quickly share a story. I thought um, Darcy was going to be here tonight to share it, but I want to share it because it's really cool. Um, Darcy comes along here, and um, Darcy works at Nova. He's a, a, a sound guy there. Anyway, he was telling me on Friday, Thursday last week, his manager had uh, hasn't been sleeping at all and has been trying uh, different pills, is going to see different people, um, and was trying all these different things but hasn't been able to sleep at night. And, and Darcy heard her, telling, heard her telling him this, and, and he was like, oh, maybe we'll just send her a message later. But then he was like, oh, no, I probably shouldn't. And so he went up and prayed for her, and, and, and she described it as she just felt this enormous peace come over her. And she was just relieved. Anyway, get the message next morning from, from Darcy saying, she slept through the night, and I just thought that was awesome, and I just had a huge smile on my face, because how good is God? Like, he does that. Like, someone that cannot sleep at night, like, I, I sleep late, so <laughs> I wouldn't know what that's like. But, but I know sometimes can't always sleep through the night, and, you know, that's a hard thing. 
So, for someone just to be given sleep again, it's not a cool thing. Like, we've got to, we've got to celebrate the small things, even though I think it's pretty big. We've got to celebrate these little victories that, that God has. So, what we've been talking about the last two weeks is been looking at sort of the nature of the story of God. So, so Jonah, two weeks ago, he was sharing this great talk on um, John 17, 3, where, where it says, eternal life is knowing the Father. And, and I, I absolutely loved his talk. He did such a good job. And he gave this great illustration. He was talking about um, a birthday cake, or his mum's cake. And unless you... He can tell you all about the cake. He can tell you what it tastes like. Uh, what it looks like. He can describe it completely, but he can never fully describe what it tastes like. You have to do that yourself. And so he's sharing with us the importance of actually having to taste and see who God is. And then Ethan, Ethan last week, he built on that. He was talking about the, the, the nature of God. He was looking at how the original intent for, for us was in, in Genesis 1, 26, 28, it says he gives us three different things. He, it was to rule and to reign as his people. And ruling and reigning in, in God's kingdom looks different to the world. It's serving. It's washing each other's feet. It's loving each other well. And, this, and the second thing he looked at was that we are image bearers of God. That we get to represent God here and now. And, and the third thing was that, that we are a blessed people. When, when we choose to walk with him, he loves to bless his people. That's his nature. Now, there was something that Ethan said last week, which was really, really good. I wrote it down. Um, because it was just really impacting it. It's something I want to build on today. So what, what he said was, we have the privilege of representing God's very nature and very character here. That's why it's so important for us to understand who God truly is. I think that's awesome. Well, yeah. <laughs> and so, we, the, the way we picture God is the way that we're going to interact with Him. It's the way um, we're going to then display Him to everyone else. So it's really important that we know His nature, know His character, so that we can interact to Him well. But not only interact with him well, but actually show the world what that looks like. Yeah. Now, I was pondering the question, like, you know, why, why did you choose us to represent you? You know, like, that's, I think it's a fair question. Has anyone thought that before? Like, why did you choose us to represent you? Why didn't you choose someone else to do it? You know, why don't, why don't you, Jesus, why don't, you're all powerful, you can do everything, why don't you go... Do it. Why don't you just go introduce yourself to everyone? You know, and like, like that makes sense. That's well, I think it makes sense. And, and one of the, the disciples did too. Um, in John fourteen verses twenty two, I'm just going to flip there now. We get Judas, who is uh, not not Judas Iscariot, not the one that uh, betrayed him, but the other Judas. He asks this exact question. He says. But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? The very same question. Why, why do you show yourself to us, the disciples, and not to the world? 
And Jesus' response is always, you know, a bit riddly, a bit hard to understand. And it is again here after all. And, and so it says, Jesus replied, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home in him. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. Weird answer, right? You know, like, who, who are you going to... Why are you sending... Why are you just telling us, why don't you show yourself to everyone else? And he says, well, just love me, obey me, we'll make our home inside you. That was his answer. Like, it doesn't, doesn't seem to make sense. But what, what Jesus is saying is, love me and do what I told you to do. And if you look back to what he told the disciples to do, he told them to go, you know, disciple the world, make disciples everywhere, preach the good news, cast out demons, raise the dead, heal the sick, and do all these things. So he gave the responsibility to us, which is like a, a bit of a scary thought, um, but also amazing that God would entrust us to do that. Which is why it's so important, since he's given us the, the privilege of doing it, it's so important that we have a good, healthy understanding of who he is, so that we can represent him well. There's, there's the contrast to this, what happens when, when we don't do it. In, in Romans 2.24, um, Paul's writing to the Romans and he's sort of correcting them, he's warning them, because the way that they were living, the way that they were behaving wasn't acceptable. And so he says to them, he says, God's name is blaspheme among the Gentiles because of you. So when he's saying Gentiles, he's just saying people that don't know God. Or not the Jews, basically. And, and so he's saying, because of the way that you're acting, people that don't know God, who he is, his nature, they're blaspheming him because they actually don't understand who he is. So, so the opposite of not knowing him is God's name being blasphemed, which is a little bit scary to think about. Like The way that we, if, if we say that we're a Christian, the way that we represent and interact with others is important, it's powerful because we are the ones that are representing Jesus we get in in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 20 um, it says that we are Christ's ambassadors as if we were making the appeal for God to men we we are Christ's ambassadors, as if he was making the appeal to men. That's a little bit scary again. Like, it, there's, there's a lot of weight, which is why I'm trying to emphasize that, you know, we've got uh, a bit of a responsibility, a bit of a, a job to do, in the sense of we need to know his nature so that we can actually portray it correctly. In, in 1 John 2 verse 6, it says that those that claim to know Jesus and walk as Jesus walk. Um, in Philippians 2 verse 5, it says that we are to have the same attitude as Christ Jesus. And, and again in uh, Ephesians, it says that we are to be imitators of God. So, so we're the ones that are to have the same attitude, walk as he walked, and be direct imitators of him. Which is a little bit 
like when I look at my life and I look at Jesus' life, <laughs> there's a bit of disparity, right? Like it's, I'm, when, yeah, when I look at his life and when I look at my life, I can see that I'm not where he is. But as, as Paul says in Philippians, I'm pressing on towards that goal. I'm pressing on towards that goal. Because the way that I interact with my circle of influence, as Ethan was sharing last week, the way that I interact with the people around me, the way I behave, will affect the way that they view God. In, in, again, in Philippians, it, it says that um, he's talking about that we are the, that we are the light of, of the world around us. And he says that, you know, we are not to complain or argue. And if we don't do those two things, we will stand out just unbelievably. We will shine like stars among people if we don't complain and argue. Who's complaining and argue? I know I have. My, my older brother, he's, a, he's really good at not complaining. So whenever I'm with him, you know, it, it convicts me. Because he, he, like, I can't remember a time that he complained. He's, he's really good at, at walking this out. At, at truly being someone like Jesus to those around him. I, I might be going on, I'll be saying, oh, this is going on, this is going on. He's like, oh, cool. And, and, he'll, and he'll just say, oh, this is going on, but like, it's a breeze. You know, it's easy, nothing's, nothing's a trouble for him, which is awesome, because he's living the way that we ought to live. Yeah, so... Hopefully I've illustrated to you, you know, a, bit, a bit of a picture of like why it's so important that we take the, the name, as it, as it is the name of, of being a Christian, that, that we need to represent Jesus well so that people around us in our circle of influence will see who Jesus really is. And, and in order for us to do that, we need to have a, a good understanding of his nature. What, what is God like? What is his nature for us? Uh, Ethan shared last week in, in John 8, verse 31 through 2, or around that area, he's, he's sharing about um, the, the woman caught in adultery. And, and she's there, and obviously she's stuck in adultery, and everyone wants to, to kill her. And Jesus is saying, no one accuses you. But his heart for her was, was I want to love you, back into life. He showed God's very nature to, to this woman who in in that world, in the human in the you know physical world, would be should be stoned. And yet God's heart is completely different. He I mean you just think about the cross, what he did for us on the cross. You know, you pay Depending on, on the value of something, that's how much you'll, you'll pay for it. So if, if I was to buy a suit, um, I'm probably not going to spend anything over, personally, probably anything over $500. <laughs> but, because it, if there's a suit for $2,000, like, no, it's too much, I'm not going to pay for a suit, because it's too expensive. But if, if it was $500, and I'm like, oh yeah, I'll get, I'll get some good wear out of this, I'll get maybe two, three years out of it, and I'll get a few weddings and functions out of it. And I'm like, okay, I can see the value in it. It's the same with, with a dress. Um, if you were to, 
spending a bit more on dress because it's, you know, it's a special day. You, you might fork out a thousand, fifteen hundred, two thousand, three thousand, five thousand, I don't know. But, you know, you happily spend uh, some money on, on a dress because it's valuable for the occasion that's coming. In the same way, we, we, we need to know our value from what God did for us. Dan, Dan Moller says that heaven went bankrupt to get us back. I love that. Spent all he had to get us back. Isn't that, isn't that cool? That's how much he values and loves each one of you and everyone in the world. In sorry. Um, yeah, we'll do this. Uh, Psalms 139, um, if you haven't read it before, it's a, it's a great psalm. I'd, I'd suggest spending some time there and just pondering the psalm. Just I've, I've been doing that this week. I've just been pondering the whole psalm all week, just reading it, reading different versions, just spending time thinking about what's going on, what's this prayer of, of the psalmist towards God. And, and it's just an incredible psalm of of basically the psalmist saying, Lord, you know everything about me. You know absolutely everything about me. There's not one bit of me that I can't hide from you. There's, there's a verse that I think it's... Oh, yes. You perceive my thoughts from afar. And I was, I was just pondering just that little bit. And I was like, okay, I'll, I'll try and think of something that he's not thinking of. Like, I was just, I was, I was playing with him. I was just having fun doing that, I'll, or I'd quickly say a word out loud, I'd be like, what? Just to, and just, <laughs> I know, simple and silly, but God knew exactly what I was going to say. God knows me completely. And, and that's a good revelation, that He knows me completely, and He loves me completely. Another great part of it is in uh, verses 17 and 18. Of Psalms 139, it says, How precious to me are your thoughts, O God! How vast is the sum! Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. His thoughts for us outnumber the grains of sand. I, I looked this up because I thought it was pretty cool. What, in, in about one handful of sand, there's over 400,000 grains. Just in a handful. You know, imagine a body. You'd, you'd be getting up into, I don't know, probably close to a billion. <coughs> and God's thoughts for you are more than the grains of sand. Isn't that cool? Isn't that cool that, that God thinks about you that much? He loves you that much. Just, just thinking on that thought makes me, you know, just fall a little, little bit more in love with who he is. 
a little bit more in love with his nature, the way that he thinks about me. Because God can't lie. And, and that's what his word says. That his thoughts have none of the grain of sand. Um, Ephesians, Ephesians 17, uh, 4, 17. Um, many of you have probably heard of four, classic one, but it's, it's so important that we sort of, well, try and get an understanding of what's going on here. Uh, sorry. So it says here, I'm just going to read from the middle way through 17. It says, I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have the power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and how long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. It's a love that surpasses Understanding and love that surpasses knowledge. So it's good when you think about that thought that I just shared before that God's thoughts for us are like trillions, infinity. Like it, it's good that that's above our thinking because I'm trying to think about. I have lots of great thoughts about Him, but I'm not sure I have that many thoughts. I don't. I'm not sure I can probably get to a million thoughts. But I value Him so much, and I think about a lot. But God thinking, God's thinking about you and me more. Isn't that cool? And, and we need to know that this love that's so wide. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's saying you need power to understand this love. You need power to understand the love of God for you. But like, like, Jonas, like Jonas said two weeks ago, like, I can tell you about his love, but... I can't actually make you know his love. That, that's a journey, that's a walk that, that you need to do. That's something that you need to get alone with him and ponder these things, ponder the love of God for you so that when we're around people that we can love the way that he loves us. The, the last thing I want to talk about is, is, I guess, sort of how we do this. What, what's the practical way of, of loving people? And a great illustration of this, um, another thing that I, I heard uh, Dan Moller say was the way, well, just, okay, back, we'll back up a bit. Thinking about um, reproduction. How do you make babies? You know, you have sex. And that makes a baby. You need to be intimate with your partner in order to reproduce. Right? It's the same with God. If we're not intimate with God, how will we ever reproduce Him to others? That was like a mic drop. <laughs> <laughs> like that, that, when I heard it, I was like, whoa. Like that, that's amazing. That we, we must be intimate with God. We must spend time with Him so that we reproduce Him. John 15, it's that classic um, scripture about the vine and the branches. 
that remain in me and I'll remain in you and you'll naturally bear fruit. You won't need to try and squeeze fruit out. It'll just happen because you're with him. Just, just to give you a, a bit of a practical example of that um, thought on just that marriage intimacy. Um, Wednesday last week, Em gave me a call. She was like, John, can I, um, I'm feeling a little bit, um, can I get, and I knew what she wanted. As soon as she started, in that tone of voice and, and the way that she was calling me, I was like, I know what she wants. She wants a, la- a prawn laksa from the place down in Cronulla, the Chinese place. <laughs> I, knew, I knew exactly what she wanted without her saying what she wanted. <laughs> if we're intimate with God, if we get to know Him, like I get to know Him, I'll start to know His thoughts. I'll, I'll start to know his ways without actually having to guess. You know, in, in Corinthians, it's in one of the Corinthians in chapter two, it's there somewhere. Uh, it says that we have the mind of Christ. That's mind-blowing. We have the mind of Christ. I just like thinking about that. That that we get to know his thoughts. Just just prior to him saying that, there's there's the Old Testament scripture in Isaiah which says, Who knows the thoughts of God? But Paul and so Paul's telling the Corinthians, you know, that was the old way of thinking, but now we have the mind of Christ, so we can know the thoughts of God. Because and, and prior to that was him talking about the Spirit of God living in us. And because the Spirit of God is living in us, we've got the wisdom of God instead of the wisdom of this age. Um, sorry, sometimes I just like waiting, just seeing what he wants to do. Um, through this scripture. In Second uh, Corinthians 5, in uh, chapter, uh, yeah, Second Corinthians 5, 14 to 20. I'm just going to read 14, and I'll read 20, I'll, I'll skip the little bits in between. Um, it says, For Christ's love compels us Because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. For Christ's love compels us. He's talking about the ministry of reconciliation. That we have the ministry of reconciliation. So like I said at the start, 
In verse 20 it says, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. It's Christ's love that compels us to be ambassadors of God to people around us. We first need to know his, his love so that we can share that with the people around us. I'm just going to pray.